May is a, a month of family for us. We, we celebrate family um, matters. And uh, this year we titled the family series, It Takes a Village. And it comes from this African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. And it's this idea that not just raising a child, but, but to things to do with immediate families, actually it takes a community, it takes a whole community to raise healthy families. And I think that's so true. Last week we talked about raising children, that it's not just the responsibility of the parents, but all of us in the faith family, in the faith community, we, we have a responsibility in the way that we help our, our, our brothers and sisters who are parents raise their children. We model to them. We become uncles and aunties in their lives. We model. We talk about the faith. We, we surround them with faith. Today, we're going to talk about marriage. Next week's the exciting one, right? Talk about dating. Woo! Woo! Don't be too excited. Makes you look desperate. Desperate. <laughs> You know, one of the misconceptions about marriage is that the most healthy marriage is when one person and one person look together and, and you just face each other and you go eye to eye and you just deep, you just dwell into their soul. And that's the most healthiest way you can be married. Can I tell you, that is the quickest way you will fight <laughs> when you are married. All the married people said, Amen. It's funny the single people that are saying amen. <laughs> but you know, if we really believe that the church is one family, that we're all one body, then whether you're married or not, marriage itself has to become important. And the way that we can uh, not just move into marriage, don't think, oh, I'm not married, so marriage isn't important. No, 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 no. If your brother and sister is important, and if they're married, then their marriage is important to you. That's why it doesn't matter if you're married tonight. Don't think, oh, marriage sermon, not married. <sighs> See what the footy score is. You know, it's not about that at all. Actually, this whole series is all about community. It's all about the village, okay? And that's what we're all part of. As I said last week, we, we talked about parenting, the importance of uncles and aunties that provide good model teaching and surrounding. Today, we're going to talk about marriage. Okay, and just because you're not married, just because you don't have children, doesn't mean you can't learn these things now. Firstly, because you hopefully one day will get married and have children. And secondly, you're a part of this village. You're a part of this tribe. Today's passage comes from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 to 4. It's funny, actually. We're talking about marriage, and we had the royal wedding yesterday. I watched it on Facebook. Everyone posted stuff on Facebook, reminded me that that was the most important thing that happened last night. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 to 4. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by, doing, for by so doing, people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. 
They say there are three rings to do with every marriage. The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffering. (laughs) It's funny how in verse 3 it says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering marriage. Okay, I'm just saying. I didn't put the Bible together. You can work that out. Let me just read one and four. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Okay? As community. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure, but God would judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. Marriage is important. Yes, of course it is. No one's going to sit here and go, well, marriage, well, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. That's people that are like secret. Like, like they, they, those people that say that, they really want to get married. They're just hedging their bets just in case it doesn't happen for them. The question I want to start with is, is does our society honor marriage? Do we live in a society that honors marriage? God has said right there, marriage should be honored by all. By all, not just the people in the marriage, but by all. Does the society we live in honor marriage? I'm a big statistics guy, so I want to show you what our society looks like. In 2016, we had a census, and this is what Australia looks like. 9.1 million people are married. That's 48% of our population. 0.6 million, 3.2% are separated, okay? So they're married, but they haven't signed off on divorce papers, okay? 1.6 million are divorced, okay? 8.5%. Widowed, 1 million, one of your spouses has passed away, and there's 6.7 million not married people. Now, that doesn't mean they're not dating. That doesn't mean they're not in de facto relationships. It just means they never signed a legal document. Also, it doesn't, this also doesn't take into account people who divorced and then got remarried. Okay, it's just at that snapshot, that's what it is. So you kind of think, oh, wow, there's only 1.6 million divorced people, only 8.5%. That's actually wrong. Because even in the married percentage, there are a lot of people that actually were divorced. Okay, next one. Out of the 9.1 million registered married, legally married, 7.4 million, de facto meaning living together but not legally married, 1.7 million. Okay? They didn't sign legal papers. They didn't go through covenant and vows. Okay? 1.7 million. Now, you, gotta, you start thinking, right? That, that's, that's nearly 20% of that number. 2013, there was a survey done, 47,638 couples got divorced, not separated, divorced, meaning that they were separated for more than one year, and then they finally signed off on that paper. 47% of those divorces included children under 18. Nearly half of those divorces had children involved in that marriage. The median length of marriage until separation is 12.1 years, or in 2016, 12 years, which means that you get to about 12 years, you're about the halfway mark. My wife and I are about to hit 12 next year, so we're about the time where we might, you know, no, no, renew vows and go again. Sadly, at, in, in, this is Australia. These are not, these are not um, 
These are not stats from overseas. Every day, 132 divorces. Okay? Most Western nations, now this is globally, they say 50% 50 divorce rate. Here's some good news. In Australia, it's not as bad. 33%. Okay? So around the world, it's like you and one other person, and one of you is going to get divorced. In Australia, it's you, left and right, and then one of you is going to get divorced. So if you look at the person on the left and you look at the person on your right, one of you three, it ain't going to happen for you guys. It's brutal. It's brutal. I'd, I'd, I'd love to tell you that I'm making this stuff up, right? Stats don't lie. Now, here's a fun one. Inside the church. You know, people, there are these rumors that say, oh, 50% divorce rate in the world, it's not any better in the church. In the church, 50%. That's a lie. That's a lie. Okay? The divorce rate, okay, this isn't better news, but it's still 33%. This is global now. Okay, we're talking about the global church, 33%, one in three. One in three marriages in the church, in Christian churches, end up in divorce, right? But that's for people that will tick Christianity, okay? That's not for a person that actually goes to church. Actually, for active churchgoers, that percentage goes down half. So it's only about 16.5%. So, okay, it's not all doom and gloom. I know that, you know, we, we, we have a lot of non-Christians, they love shooting arrows at the church saying, well, there's no difference between the church and, 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 and the outside of church. And statistics will say, no, no, there is a difference. So what does, you, what does it show us? Firstly, it shows us that, that Christians do take marriage a little bit more seriously. That's great. Because <laughs> that's what God says to do. I want to show you these statistics because I want to give you an idea of how much this society honors marriage. And we can see that it's not much at all. As I said, I'd love to say that the church was a lot more healthier, but it's a little bit healthier. The first thing that, that we all need to understand tonight from the Word of God is this. Not just married people. Please, married people listen, but not married people listen as well. The first thing that everyone in our village needs to understand through the Word of God is that marriage is, we need to honor marriage. You need to honor marriage. If you're in a marriage, you need to honor that. But even if you're not married, you need to honor other people's marriages. You need to say marriage is important because that's what God tells us. Can you imagine if the whole body of Christ held marriage in honor? Then I believe that there would be a lot more healthier marriages in the church and even outside of the church. But the problem is that marriage is not honored outside of the church doors, and that has come into our church. That has come into our churches. You know, people take marriage very lightly outside. Get married, get divorced, no drama, bit of paperwork, bit of legal fee, let's move on. And sadly, that kind of mentality has creeped into the church and it's like, well, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to not 
have marriage to be where it needs to be in an honorable place. You know, there's so much brokenness in marriage and families all around the world and in all over our lives that we forget that just because it's broken doesn't mean that that was God's intention from the beginning. Just because it's broken doesn't mean that it's lost. It doesn't mean that the hope is lost for what God intended it to be. God says marriage needs to be honored by all. All. This is the big, big statement for tonight. Everyone here, we need to start with a high honoring of marriage. Why? Verse 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. The most loving thing that you can do for your brother or sister who is married is to honor their marriage. It's to honor, it's to recognize the importance of marriage and to honor their marriage. To recognize that the marriage covenant in their life and you honor it, you give it a special place. You respect it. See, once we stop doing that, once we stop honoring marriage in our own lives, well, firstly, if you're married, you're in a big, you're digging yourself a big, big hole. But even if you're single, if you cannot respect and keep honoring someone else's marriage, when you get married yourself, how much honor do you think you will give your marriage? And I say this, and I say this with a heavy heart, but just because you came from a broken home doesn't mean you have to live in one. And I know, even in this room, there are a lot of us that come from broken marriages. That's the reality. Hey, look at the stats. Like, Don't think that we're immune to the stats, guys. Those stats are not made up. That based on real people like us. But just because your parents were divorced or separated or there was brokenness in their marriage doesn't mean that your marriage or your future marriage has to replicate that. You have a choice. You have a choice. And the role of the village, the role of community in marriage is huge. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. And all the single men said, Amen. I will make a helper suitable for him. And this is the beginning of the very first marriage. But if I was to add a line to it, and I read this, it said, It is not good for a couple to be alone either. Yes, marriage is exclusive. Marriage is exclusive between one man and one woman in the eyes of God. But where this marriage is played out, where our marriages exist, we don't exist in a bubble, we don't, we don't exist in some kind of vacuum, we live out our marriages in community. One of the greatest dangers to our marriages it's not just internal isolation where you isolate yourself from your spouse, but it's also external isolation where your marriage 
isolates itself from other community members. That's dangerous. Let me tell you this. Any married couple, if they don't have other people in their lives, whether they are other married couples or whether they are single friends that are there to support them and to fight for their marriage, can I tell you right now, that is a red flag for your marriage. If you're a married couple, and you don't have people asking you questions, people that are concerned about your marriage, not just about your life, but about your marriage, not just about your health, but your marriage. If you don't have people that are regularly checking up on you, that is a big red flag. See, I'd love to tell you, I'd love to tell you that this is all theoretical. And I'd love to share with you that, you know, these are all just biblical ideas, but, but, you know, while, while the world was celebrating the, 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 the big wedding in England, you know, yesterday, I had to help and support one of my close friends sign divorce papers. This is not theoretical. This is not just theological. This is real life. And I'm telling you, if you as a married person, if you don't have people around you, if you don't have a community that's going to help you, support you, encourage you, I'm telling you now, you, you're, you're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place. Let me share with you three reasons why marriages need community. Now, you're either sitting on either side of this coin, okay? Everyone's included in this. Either you're married, okay, and you need community. So I'm going to tell you why you need community. Or you're not married or you're just a part of the community. And these are the three reasons why you need to get involved in people's, people's marriages. Okay, number one is this, accountability. A community of faith is where people love each other, show grace to each other, help each other in times of need, pointing each other back to Christ in their lives. That's accountability. That's what we do as a church. That's why Christianity is not a lone ranger religion. It's not. It's not meant to be done on your own. It was always meant to be done in community. Accountability is the process of making sure that people are being, what, accounted for, checked, checked upon. I believe that the, the greatest reason why healthy marriages need community is because we all need help. Marriages don't automatically become healthy. Why? Because we're a sinful person marrying a sinful person, you're not going to suddenly have miraculous, everything's going to work out. If you really think that that's going to happen, then I'll pray for you later. <laughs> Health is something that needs to be intentionally worked upon, and accountability is one of the greatest tools from where health comes. Having people talk to you about your marriage, ask you hard questions about your marriage, checking up on your marriage is one of the most important things that every marriage must have. Now, I can change that word marriage and just talk about spirituality. I can talk about discipleship because accountability is, is, is it goes across the board. 
But I'm, I'm talking about marriage today. And I'm telling you now, if you don't have accountability in your life, you're living your married life in darkness. And when you live in darkness, sometimes you don't even know what's going wrong because you can't see. We have friends in our marriage. Trust me, 11 years of marriage, okay, it gets, certain elements get easier. Uh, certain elements don't get easier. That's life. You know, I know there are people in this room that have been mad a lot longer than myself. I'm sure they'll tell you the same thing. But we have people in our marriage that are accountable for us, whether they be married couples or whether they just have, you know, we, we just have friends. You know, I, we have people that when we meet specifically to talk about our marriage, hey, how's your married life? How's marriage? How, how's your relationship with your husband and wife? You know, are you guys arguing these days? What are you arguing about? You know, how, how's your communication going? I have people in my life, right, and this is a little bit awkward when they ask it, but you have to ask it. They ask me, how's your sex life? If a single person asks me that, I just smack them in the head and I said, not you, mate, not yet. But I believe if you're a married person, you have every right to ask another married person, how's your sex life? You know why? Because sex is important in marriage. Sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a great thing in the way that God intended it. Really important questions that we need to ask because when we lose accountability, we fail to bring our weaknesses and our sinfulness out of darkness into light. So many marriages fail because of this one simple reason. No one was accountable. No one asked them the hard questions. And then one day, boom, separation. Can I tell you, marriages, you don't wake up one morning and go, I want a divorce today. It's something that's gone over and over and over. And without accountability, without anyone cutting it at the first point, by the time it gets to the hundredth, it's too late. And you know what? Accountability isn't just on other married couples. It's for everyone in the village. It's for everyone in the community. If you love your brother, you will ask them about the important things in his life. What is more important in a brother's life than his relationship with God and his relationship with his wife? You know, it's like so funny. We, we're so quick to ask about like, hey, how's your job? How's your health? And yet we're, we don't really ask, like, how's your marriage? And yet if you think about it, isn't marriage one of the most important things in our lives? It's meant to be. Friends, we need to love our married, and married brothers and sisters enough to ask the hard questions for the sake of accountability. Secondly, the reason why we need community, why marriages need community and communities need to invest into ma marriages is because of encouragement. Marriage is extreme. When people ask me, what's married life like? I say, it's extreme. When it's good, unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. When it's good, it's so good that there is really not as many other things in life when marriage is good. Coming home after a hard, long day at work, you open the door, you smell meat, your wife's there cooking it, honey, welcome home, sit down, I cooked you dinner, put your feet up, let me give you a foot massage, let's put the kids to bed, and let's let's do some bed wrestling, you know, like, sorry, am I... Am I sharing too much? If marriage was like that every day, <laughs> and all the married people, all the married people are, are laughing. All the single people are like, what? That's what I thought it was. <laughs> when it's good, marriage is seriously, it's so good. But when it's bad, Oh, my Lord. Jesus, come right now. I'm going to confess to you right now. This is not a reflection on my wife. This is a reflection of my sinfulness. I have literally asked Jesus, Jesus, if you're going to return, now would be good. (laughs) Just confessing my sin to you. Man, marriage, when it gets hard, it gets really hard. You know, dating... We're going to talk about that next week. Dating is this invisible topic of the Bible that never turns up in the Bible. I'm just saying it's, it's going to be interesting. The marriage, right? Dating, you fight with your girlfriend and boyfriend, and, you know, and then you storm off. And you know what you get to do? You get to go home to your own bed, into your own room, and you don't have to even think about it. Marriage, you biff it out, and you have to right next door. Can't escape them. Marriage is extreme. You know, there are seasons where there are seasons where marriage is like every day is fantastic. And then there are seasons where you, you, you're like crawling through it. And there are seasons where you could do with some encouragement. We need people that are around us that are encouraging us to continue to fight for the things that are important. To continue to love when everything else inside of us tells us, just walk away. You know, the world says, hey, if it doesn't work for you, walk away. You know, uh, marriage vows, right? So I'm a marriage celebrant. So, uh, you know, if you're ever going to get married, you know, hit me up. I'll give you a mate's rates, good fee, discount. There's this vow, right? It says, till death do us part. That's the uh, old traditional vow, right? In sickness and in health. And the last line of that section says, till death do us part, which means that I will remain faithful to you in our marriage till one of us dies. Hopefully you. Not just joking. (laughs) Just joking. Right? They've actually changed that vow now. They made an amendment. And you know what it says now? It says in, in sickness and in health, in richer and poorer and blah, 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 blah. Till our love runs out. Till our love runs out. It's like I'm pouring water into a cup, and as soon as there's no more water, oh, move on. That's the world we live in today. Till 
my love for you changes, I will commit to you. Can I tell you what that is? That's rubbish. That's not love. That's conditional love at best. Hey, when it's good, let's get married. And when it's not good, let's move on. That's Tinder. And I don't even know what Tinder is. It's ridiculous. That's not what God says. That's not what the Bible says. But there are times when marriage can get really hard. And you need people to remind you of the vows that you made. Hey, I know you're going through a dark patch. I know you're struggling with your husband or wife, but you made a promise before God. You made a covenant before God that you will love this person, you'll serve them. And sometimes you need, not sometimes, a lot of times, you need people to remind you, hey, it'll be okay. Can I tell you, people from the outside, one line of encouragement can make all the difference. One line of encouragement can save that marriage for that day. We need cheer squads. We need people around us to go, look, I know it's hard. Just keep going. We need that in all areas of our life. Why do you think we don't need that in our marriages? You know, in our life groups, if you've got a married couple, you should be like, hey, you guys all right? Hey, we're praying for you. And actually pray for them. Encouragement. The third reason why we need community, marriages need community, is for wisdom, wise counsel. Just like an individual needs wisdom in their own life, marriages also need wisdom. The biggest lie in marriage is this. A husband and wife, as long as you love each other, you can work it out. As much as we'd love to believe that Disney, that Disney lie, it's not the truth. How can a sinful person and a sinful person work out how to get out of sin? No, you, you need God. And where wisdom comes in, what's wisdom? The, the Bible defines wisdom as the, the beginning of all wisdom comes from where? The fear of God. So you know why you need community? Because you need people to come around you that love you, that know you, that, that can pour wisdom, that, that, that you can take advice from, and they will draw you back to God. Hebrews 13, 7, a few verses down. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. For the married people, I really want to encourage you, find models. Find models of people that are married that you can look up to and you can go, wow, that's the kind of marriage that I want. And go and ask them, hey, how do you have such a healthy marriage? What do you do in your marriage? You know, I, Mel and myself, we've been married 11 years, right? I guess, you know, within our community, we're, we're one of the older married people. And we understand that one of the responsibilities of that is that we become models. And as leaders, you know, anyone that's married now, like you become a model for the, for the generations to come. First and foremost, you know who you become a model to? Your children. Your children. 
You need good models. Now, this is a part where I guess some of the single people are like, well, I'm not married, so how can I model good marriage to a married couple? You can't. So that's when you take the step backwards and you go, okay, where can I learn? Where can I learn? Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. If you're married and if you're not seeking advice or you're not listening to advice that's given to you, and I'm going to say the same thing next week for dating, this invisible dating topic in the Bible that doesn't exist. If you're not listening to the people around you that love you, that really care for your marriage, that are fighting for your marriage, you are a fool. You're a fool. If you don't think that you need help in your marriage, doesn't matter what stage of marriage you're at, you're a fool. No one here has the perfect marriage. I promise you, in your whole life, you may taste glimpses, blinks of what a perfect marriage is, but no one lives that out. Why? Because we're not perfect. We need help. So on the flip side, if you are a wiser and older married couple, you need to make yourself available for other younger married couples and you need to understand that you've got a responsibility to model to them. And then even, you know, go one more step, even to those that are thinking about married. Thinking about getting married, all the singles. This is how you love them, by coming alongside them. Friends, whatever we do, we cannot do it alone. We need the gift of one another. That's because we're in the one body. That's like a hand saying, you know, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to work this whole body thing out by myself, right? Or a foot that says, you know, I don't need the rest of the body. I'm just going to work it out. No, no. We all need each other. And especially in the area of marriage, we need each other. Marriages need community. Marriages need community. And communities need to invest into our marriages. But I don't want to just finish there. Because I think to just finish there and go, look, if you're married, you know, invest in the community, community, invest into marriage. Wow, that's a great message. Let's all pat each other on the back. It's great. I know the reality is that for so many of us, marriage is so complicated. Because we come from broken families or we've experienced brokenness. And I want to address that. You know, if you're from a broken family or you're from a broken marriage, what I want to tell you is this. You need community too. It's not just the healthy marriages that need community. And it's not just even the ones that, you know, are still married that need community. No, no, no. Even if you have been divorced, even if you have been separated, you need community. The church is here for you. The church is not a place for perfect people with perfect lives. 
No, our community, we're a community of broken people. If your marriage is struggling, or maybe even over, then please come and be loved and accepted by the church. And if you're listening to this, whether you're in this room or whether you're listening to us online, and that's what you did, you had a marriage failure, you had a marriage breakdown, and you, you came to the church for someone to help you, for some healing. But instead of receiving grace and love that you deserve, if, if all you got was judgment and people making you feel worse about yourself, if that's you, then I want to start by saying sorry. That's not what the community of Jesus Christ is about. We don't gather here because we're better than anyone else. No, we gather here because we recognize that we are broken in so many ways. How dare someone walk in here with their broken lives and we judge them and think that they don't deserve to be here. No, no. To all our divorced friends, our separated friends, our, our friends that have very confusing relationship statuses. No, no, this is the one place that you're welcome for who you are and everything that you're involved in. And as I said, if you've been hurt by the church, if you came in wanting to be hugged and and all you got was a lecture, then I want to apologize. Because that's not what church is meant to be about. That's not what Jesus is all about. Jesus is all about receiving the broken. He's all about healing the sick. He came for the broken. He came for the sinful. I really want to say sorry. They said, whether it be you in this room or whether it be someone listening online. And I want to invite you back into the house of God. And I want to ask you, won't you give the community of Jesus another chance? We want to love you. We want to accept you for who you are. It doesn't matter how broken your life is. It doesn't matter how far gone your marriage is. It doesn't even matter if your marriage is over. We want to be here to love and embrace you because that's what our Lord Jesus would have done. They said we are wanting to empower you to have healthy marriages. We want to help you through accountability. We want to help you through encouragement and wise counsel. But sadly, because of the state of our world, there will always be brokenness. There will always be brokenness. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you don't belong in this place. You need this community. I think even more so. I pray that our church here at the chapel, that, that we would not be known for our amazing theological teaching, our hardcore theological stances, 
you know, that we, would be, that we wouldn't be known for, for amazing worship. But if our church was known as a church that embraced the lost, if our church is known as the one where all the messed up people will turn up to, well, I believe that that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. And I pray that you would join, join us on that journey. Friends, whatever we do, we can't do it alone. Because we're all a part of the body of Christ. It takes a village even to build your marriage. It takes the whole community of God to build your marriage. And I pray that you would understand that, whether you're inside a marriage or whether you're inside the community. Let's pray.